Game Day. Welcome to Game Day. I am your host, Matthew Cause. We got a hack show. We got Mark Zacchino talking U.S. Open. Mark Masters. It's the Double Mark Show. Mark Masters at around 2.30. Get his thoughts on Montreal, Vegas Golden Knights Game 3, which is in Montreal. But Mark Masters, he has been in Vegas. So now we're just going to talk about the playoffs and Spets are returning, and Hyman looks like he's done. But I got to know, what, what's it like in Vegas? Not just in the arena, which is incredible, by the way. I mean, I think we all agree, no one does the beginning of a playoff game quite like the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm not saying every arena should try to do this, because they shouldn't. Vegas is doing what they do best, entertain, big, gaudy, sometimes over the top going to upset a lot of just more traditional types. And I even anti-traditional type. You like it a certain way, you know, you need a little more Howie Meeker and a little less Howie Mandel, fine. I get that. But I like what Vegas is doing. But I wouldn't want everyone else trying to do this. The Winnipeg Jets will not be able to recreate the beginning of a Vegas Golden Knights game. Anyway, so Mark Masters will join us at 2.30. I have a... Fantasy football-related question, but we got to start with the Toronto Blue Jays because it has been an absolute disaster for the Jays. They got swept by the Yankees. And uh, uh, producer Steve, let's let's start with the final call. And it doesn't matter if you listen to a lot or or no Yankee broadcasts, you'll recognize the end of this. Here is the end of the game: Yankees winning eight four. Britain deals, and it's grounded to third. LeMayu to second one, on to first. Double play. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. By the way, what's with that with a announcer? You know, doing a loud noise as a signature call. Amateurish. That'll never succeed. Here's how bad this game was. Vlad Guerrero Jr., the best hitter in baseball. You know things aren't going well when he hits into a triple play. Have a listen to that from last night's game. The pitch is swung on. Little chopper down third. King feels, turns, throws to first in time. And they have a run of trap Pachette. Now they have the run of trapped at home. Semyon, they run it back, and he's tagged out. The throw to third, tagged out. That's the wildest triple play you'll ever see, where King threw to first. Bichette broke to her third, that him trap. So then Simeon had to leave, and they had him trapped. <laughs> it's Simeon, but who am I to make fun of someone uh, mispronouncing a name? Just listen to my coverage of Euro 2020. I'll get the names right. It'll just be 2023. And when you, when you heard him say that is the wildest triple play you'll ever see, he ain't wrong. Apparently, in the one three six two five six sequence, that was the first time that combination was used in any of the 726 triple plays in Major League history. By the way, I figured there'd be more than 726. Baseball's been played for roughly 386 years, and they play about 210 games each team does a season. So that's the first time we've ever seen that sequence of a triple play in the history of baseball. By the way, I don't know who's maintaining this at the Baseball Almanac. Every triple play in that combination, good for he or she. But also, I think you could be lying, and we would, uh, we would never know about it. You could just say that's never been done before. And we just all nod our heads. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. 
Jays have now lost a MLB worst 10 games when leading in the seventh inning or later. That is a disaster. And Steve Phillips wrote a really good piece on all of this. You can read it at tsn.ca. Talking about how beyond Jordan Romano, there is no reliever right now that Charlie Montoyo trusts. Imagine how that must feel. Night in and night out. You know you're going to need relievers for usually three innings, sometimes more. Starters ain't going deep. Can't start Ryu every game. And you're Montoyo, and you are looking at your bullpen, and you're like, I can't trust you, I can't trust you, I can trust you. I can't, I can't, I can't. You're tired, you're bad, you walk guys, you're wild. You can't spot your fastball, and you just gave up four runs. Bleep, we lost. Team's now below 500. They've lost eight of their past 12 games. They're back in fourth place in the AL East, eight and a half games behind the Rays. Five and a half games out of the second wild card spot. It's funny, in some ways you feel like this year this is a better team than last year, but after 60 games this year, Toronto had a worse record than they did last season. The thing is, is we're all distracted, dazzled by Vlad Guerrero Jr. And that's where all our minds are at. And in some ways, the best thing for base or for the Blue Jays, excuse me, has been Vlad. Because it takes away some of the attention from starting pitcher, and especially from the relief, from the bullpen. You look at his numbers. He is tied in the American League in batting average. First in OBP. First in slugging. Leads the AL in home runs and RBIs. And tied for second in runs scored. So that's the good side. The bad side is, the better that Vlad Guerrero Jr. does, the more pressure it puts on Blue Jays' management to do something. Yesterday on the show, our favorite guest, David Sampson, was on, as he is every Thursday at 2.30. And I asked him, is there pressure? Is there resentment in the locker room? And I was wondering if there was resentment between the hitters and the pitchers. Hitters are sitting there going, we're doing our job. The pitchers are like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm too busy walking the leadoff batter to pay attention to what you're trying to tell me. What David said was that, and again, David Sampson, former president of the Miami Marlins, it's not one side looking at the other side. It's the players looking at management and going, what are you going to do about this? This team needs help. So there is a lot of pressure on the Blue Jays because our eyeballs are going there, going there more and more, especially after the, Blue, uh, after the Maple Leafs were done. So... You look at the teams out there, and Steve Phillips did a great job. He's like, look at Baltimore, Kansas City, Detroit, Texas, Miami, Pittsburgh, Colorado, and Arizona. And these are the teams you've got to start circling. Who can you pick off these rosters? By the way, Arizona set a record, I believe. I think it was like 26. 26 straight losses on the road, which is a, a base, at least a modern-day MLB record. And I was thinking about it for a second. Can you name a single member? Can you name a single member of the Arizona Diamondbacks? I bet you can't. I know I can't. I have no idea. None. Not even a little bit. I was sitting there thinking about it. Am I Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson? No, neither one of them are here anymore. Anyway, you've got to go after them. And What the Jays need, they need other arms. They need Julian Merriweather to come back. They need Nate Pearson in the bullpen. And they need the current guys. they got to go out there and start throwing strikes. 
I hear from Charlie Montoyo, and I'm not going to do the thing where I get angry at the fact that he's not angry. You know, he says, we're having fun. We're working hard. You're the only one who's, who's seen us, but that's what people need to know. We're working hard, taking ground balls, trying to get better every day, and people are in a good mood. Now, I'm not going to go, how dare you? You should not be in a good mood. You can't be happy. You can't be happy. There's no smiling in baseball. I think the translation there is we're not panicking. We are not panicking. The players should not be panicking. The coaches should not be panicking. But we all know who should be panicking, and that's management. Management has got to come out, and they got to do something, and they got to do something soon. Don't wait until the... Uh, uh, don't wait in, in, until the deadline. Get someone in now. The longer you wait, just drives up the price to get pitchers. Do it right now. As I mentioned, Mark Sacchino is going to be on with us in a couple minutes. We will get into the U.S. Open. And we know that uh, not a great start for Phil Mickelson. So we will talk to him about uh, Phil Mickelson, phones, who's on the leaderboard. Some dude hit it like 350 yards. Bob Weeks just tweeting, after a 350-ish yard drive on 15 by Taylor Pendrith, the marshals on the whole said, wow, that's longer than Bryson, and it's in the fairway. Imagine hitting a golf shot 350-ish yards and you hit the fairway. Mark Sakino from Golf Talk Canada. When was the last time you hit the fairway 350-plus yards? Uh, I'm guessing, uh, Matt, it's probably like a three-wood and a wedge. I used two consecutive <laughs> shots to accumulate that yardage. <laughs> I've never done that with one swing, I don't yeah. believe. So uh, how you doing? Everything all good? Everything is everything is all good here. Uh, getting excited. You got England and Scotland coming up uh, at the Euro 2020. But uh, we we got the uh, let's uh, let's talk uh, let's talk the U.S. Open. And first, it's funny um, before the opening round of the PGA Championship, you would have thought Phil Mickelson doesn't have a chance at the U.S. Open. He goes out and wins it. And then now it's like, oh, I wonder what Phil is going to do at the U.S. Open. It's the one, it's the one major he hasn't won yet. So uh, I know it has been a tough start. There's been phones. Uh, what's going on with Phil so far? Yeah, you know, he was just a little disheveled yesterday. Yeah. Uh, just ne never settled into the round. Um, he was bothered by some cell phones and activity outside the ropes. But what Phil said was, you know, that's part of professional golf. You know, like you've, you've got to be okay with that. And, and he, for some reason was just never, you know, he said, I never settled into the round. And typically when Mickelson goes out and hits, he hit for what would Phil be considered not a bad driving day. Like he hit 57% of his fairways yesterday. Now that's not an off the chart great day of accuracy but for phil yeah. mickelson that's not bad uh his short game really let him down uh you know he's one of the greatest scramblers in the game probably the greatest scrambler in history you could you know say up there maybe with Seve ballesteros and it just you know what he just could not get it going his short game could not save him uh the good news for phil is that 
you know, he's still in striking distance of getting back in this golf tournament. He needs to go out and do today uh, what Patrick Reed has done and a few other players have done and, and put up a, a decent number and get themselves back in this golf tournament, golf tournament because, you know, Richard Bland right now is sitting on top of this leaderboard and he's playing out of his mind. And if anybody yeah. in the, in their right mind thinks that Richard Bland is going to keep going forward in this direction and not wake up at some point and go, Oh my God, I'm in the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, they're kidding themselves. So get to one or two under par and see where that sits is kind of the, kind of the game plan for the weekend. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Bland, not a good name. Yeah, you, you, I'm just saying, you know, maybe think about switching up. <laughs> and uh, just, I mean, if you're the PGA, you're like, the headlines would be horrible. A bland U.S. Open. Like, you know all the lazy people in newspaper and print and in uh, digital media, they're going to be doing that. Uh, Dustin Johnson, another guy who's got the same score as Phil Mickelson, he's, uh, he's at four over. And I didn't even realize this. Coming into this, Dustin Johnson still the number one in the world. I know he won the Masters back in November, but I haven't really noticed him. He missed the cut at Augusta. He missed it at the PGA Championship. Uh, first time since Greg Norman in 97 that uh, we've seen a number one miss two consecutive majors. What is going on with, with supposedly the number one player in the world? Well, you know, it, when this slump started a few months back, we were all pointing at the putter. And he was going through the mixed bag putter routine again, which he's done in the past. But but this is more than that. Uh, he's a guy that loves to lean on the golf ball left to right. He, he That's his kind of crutch. And I don't mean crutch in, in necessarily a bad sense, but it's his go-to. And, and when things aren't going well, he can always go to that cut shot, get it in the fairway, and, and slap together a decent round of golf. And then, of course, when he's playing great, you know, he's got to number one in the world and patted himself quite a lead. That's how... That's how superior he was at the end of last year. Uh, this year, not so much. And if you're a golfer that likes to aim left because the ball's going to cut back to the right and it stops cutting and that thing just stays left, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's what we've got here with DJ. He's, he's T64 right now, Matt. The top 60 and ties mm. are going to make it to the weekend. He is uh, more than halfway through. His second round just just made the turn uh, moments ago. I think he's through eleven right now. So DJ is going to have to finish strong here if he's going to want to play Saturday and Sunday, or we're another major in a row. Three, it'll be three oh. in a row by world number one miss cuts if he doesn't have a decent uh, finish. Yeah, he's four over. Mickelson's four over. And by the way, uh, we were talking off the top. The guy uh, Taylor Pendrith uh, who hit like three hundred fifty plus yards. I didn't even realize. And yes, he is. He is Canadian. I, I forgot about that. Um, we're joined by Mark Sacchino, our the host and producer of Golf Talk Canada. So, Mark, the PGA. When are they giving? Um, a while ago, they announced that they had a, a big big bag of money that they were going to give to the 10 golfers who did the most in terms of social engagement, who in terms of uh, help try to uh, drive ratings and eyeballs to golf. Do we know when that starts in terms of them giving out that money? Uh, not exactly. It was kind of a vague uh, press release, and then yes. there wasn't much uh, There since. wasn't a lot of follow-up. So yeah. The yeah, there wasn't a lot of follow-up. So I'm, I'm assuming, Matt, the, you know, the assumption would be, I guess it would start at the beginning of the next season would be my guess. So after we hand out the FedEx Cup at the Tour Championship, which is right. in the, on Labor Day. So that would be my guess that it would start the following day, but I don't know. And are they going to have to go back and adjust this now? Because at, at no point within that vague description that we got in the press release did they say that they were going to be able to identify, you know, 
you know, moving the needle is one thing, but you can move it positive or you can move it negative. And yes. are they going to hand out money to guys like DeShambo and Kepka that have been in like a lover's quarrel well, in see, the media in the last month? You know, See, that is my point. You are a wrestling fan, correct, Mark Sacchino? Yes, of course, man. Okay, so um, the PG, <laughs> follow me here. The PGA says right. we're giving money to people that uh, are increasing our presence on social media. And suddenly now, Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, who I know we didn't like each other a lot before, let's face it, no one likes Brooks Kepka. But now mm -hmm. it seems to have been raised. The ante seems to be going up and up and up. And I can't help but feel, you know, that this is the magnificent Morocco and Hulk Hogan, you know, getting set for WrestleMania too. Like uh, this feels like, is this all an act? I, I don't believe it is, but I am starting to, you know, get curious as to what agents are talking about behind the scenes, or yeah, did it start seriously and then they got nudged? near the end. And they and they said, guys, you know what? Maybe go with this. I don't know. Obviously, conspiracy theorists would love that type of narrative 100%. Yeah. But you got to imagine that if the PGA Tour does not put a more transparent, clear, organized message as to what they're counting and what they're paying bonus out on, uh, on then we've opened up the doors for all kinds of different type of stuff here. And I'm not so sure they want to open that door. This is a very conservative group. Mm -hmm. Doesn't publicly suspend players. Doesn't tell you when a player's been fined. I mean, it's a secret society, Matt, on the PGA mm -hmm. Tour. They've like a very sanitized image. So I, this is not what they had in mind. I guarantee you that. And I'd also be shocked at this point if the players weren't uh, gently reminded of that by email or, or their <laughs> agents have been spoken to, I just can't imagine them sitting back and just watching this go down. Yeah, I just, I'm sure I'm just going full conspiracy theory, but the, the, uh, the timing of it seems very curious. And by the, yeah, and DeChambeau right now is even. Uh, Brooks Kepka is two under. So maybe we can get that dream Sunday where it's photobombing and passive aggressive. <laughs> Mark, always a pleasure. When can, when can we hear you? When can we hear and see you and Bob Weeks over the next, I guess, 72, uh, 96 hours covering all things U.S. Open? Yeah, I, I'm fairly lucky. I've got most of the weekend off to just enjoy the nice. U.S. Open. Bob, Bob will be doing Sports Center uh, hits. And then Monday. Um, I will be with Adam Scully in studio because our Golf Talk Canada radio wrap-up show from 10 to 12 is also on TSN2. So, so we have to be in studio for that because we'll also be broadcasting it, uh, for television. Uh, and then it's back to the usual as we then start counting down to the Open Championship, which, of course, as you'll probably remember, Matt, didn't happen the last go-around. So this is yep. our first Open Championship in two years. So everybody looking forward to getting back uh, to, to the... the the oldest major championship. Mark, a pleasure as always. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the U.S. Open and uh, yeah, and uh, we'll we'll be talking soon and and check in, do some investigating. I want to know if Kepka and uh, and Deschambeau are actually best friends. They're just sitting there having cigars, having a big laugh about this. This has got Vince McMahon's fingerprints all over it, Matt. Absolutely. Take care, my friend. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> that is Mark Sacchino. All right, on the other side. 
what happened last night, what to expect tonight, the NBA playoffs, plus a fantasy football uh, bet gone wrong in the best way possible. I'll explain right after this. You're listening to Game Day on TSN 1050. Mark Masters, our Leafs reporter, will be joining us at 2.30. We'll be talking Spezza. We'll get into Zach Hyman, also the playoffs. But most importantly, and I'm going to warn everyone right now, you're going to be disappointed. Now, I know that is a horrible thing for me to say. My job as a radio host is to try to keep you hooked. Try to keep you hooked. Oh, i got to stick around. Uh, and then my job is i got to promote it. Mark Masters is going to give you the most incredible answers about everything all the time. You will learn. You will laugh. You will cry. You will rediscover your love of sport. But I'm, I'm here to tell you he's going to disappoint us because I'm going to ask him, how is Vegas? Did you go out? Did you have a nice dinner? Did you catch a show? Did you do? I know you were working. You're busy working. You're a responsible man. But in your off time, what did you do? And his answer is probably going to be nothing. What did you did you go to a great restaurant? Did you go, did you go to a club? Did you go to a bar? Did you hang out with human beings? And it's going to be a hotel room. Uh, I was streaming some third you know third rate tennis tournament that was going on from Bulgaria. Well, what'd you have for dinner? I ordered in a ham sandwich. You're going to be disappointed. I'm going to be disappointed. But I'm still I still have to ask him. So there is a, uh, a writer in the Mississippi area named Clarion Ledger, the, the newspaper, or sorry, um, that's the name of the newspaper that he uh, works for, uh, the Clarion Ledger, which is part of uh, USA Today. And this writer, and um, try, I wrote down his name, eh, I'll find it later, he, uh, this tweet I want to read to you, I am coming to you live from a Brandon, Mississippi Waffle House. I, a total loser, came in last place in my fantasy football league. As punishment, I spend 24 hours in a waffle house. Every waffle I eat shaves an hour off the clock. It's 407 Central. And I remember reading his tweets, and they are hilarious. It, 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 it just, it is a depressing journey of calories, madness, and despair. In the end, he ate nine waffles, so that took out nine hours, so he spent 15 hours at a waffle house in Brandon, Mississippi, eating waffles to pay off his fantasy football debt. He came in last place. And the question I have that I'm, uh, that I'm throwing out there is, what would, you, what would be a great punishment in your fantasy league? What sort of punishment, uh, and by the way, the, the gentleman's name is Lee, Sa uh, Lee Sanderlin. What sort of punishment would you love to see in your fantasy league? And I, I'm not even trying to beat Lee's. I think that is brilliant. Because if, if you've been to a Waffle House, those things are giant. Those waffles are huge. Eating one, okay, eating two feels lovely and delicious, but the great thing about eating two waffles is you're done. You're full. You go home. You have the waffle nap. It's glorious. But in this case, you're stuck there. And here's, but he, so here's my punishment. 24-hour karaoke bar. Every time, though, yeah, if you want to get it knocked off time, you can knock off 30 minutes. But you need to sing Paradise by the Dashboard Light. It can't be any other song. That song is long. It's involved. I want you as sweaty as meatloaf, 
But that is that would be mine. If you lose in your fantasy league, 24-hour karaoke bar, and you can keep knocking time down, but you've got to keep knocking out Paradise by the dashboard light. Uh, you can tweet me, mcause56. I'd like to know what your punishment you would like to see. So first, from last night's game, the Nets lose 104-89 to the Bucks, And that was pretty much, I think, what a lot of people expected. You, you were not going to get that, uh, that brilliant game from Durant. And he was good. He got 30 points, but it took him 30 shots. I, I don't blame him at all. He played 48 minutes in the last game. It's less than a 48-hour turnaround to, for him to do it again. That's going to be hard. And he made 15 baskets last night. The other four starters made 15 baskets. And I give uh, Brooklyn credit. Three times they cut the lead in that game to five. The difference, though, this night was, last night was Chris Middleton. Every time they cut it to five, uh, Middleton would, would, at one point, he got a three and then a steal. Uh, And then a little bit later, Brooklyn made it uh, 53-48, and Middleton hits back-to-back three-pointers. So good for Middleton. Giannis at 30. Everyone did on the Bucs what I expected. In fact, that game went exactly as I thought was going to happen. But uh, have a listen to James Harden here, because James Harden is still not 100%. Harden played 40 minutes last night. He took nine shots. Does that sound like the James Harden you know? There's no Kyrie Irving. There's a lot of ball to go around. He took nine shots. Here's what James Harden had to say afterwards. Day by day, I continue to get better. You know, last the last game, game five, was the first time that I even, you know, did any, any movement or anything like that since I got hurt. So, um Tonight was no different, you know. So I just, it's just, I'm out there to, to do whatever it takes to win. And I got to be better on both ends of the ball, which I will be in game seven. That is going to be a wild game. That is Saturday night, Bucks and um, Bucks and Nets, game seven. Tonight, you've got Clippers, Utah. Clippers embarrassed the Utah Jazz the other night. If they win tonight, if Utah can f- somehow find a way to win, then that goes to a Game 7. Again, no Kawhi Leonard. Meanwhile, the team that was most embarrassed, the Philadelphia 76ers, they got a chance for redemption. they got to win two in a row. They're also down 3-2 against Atlanta. Game 6 is tonight. It is a great night for basketball. you got uh, Montreal and, uh, and Vegas. We'll talk about that with Mark Masters. By the way, the Islanders, they lose 2-1 to Tampa. And that's exactly what I expected. Like, it's funny. The games last night, the Bucks win and the Lightning win, those are exactly what I thought, uh, how those games would play out. What I do find interesting in the NBA, yesterday, or a couple days ago, The Athletic had an article about the Dallas Mavericks. One of the guys they hired, Bob Bulgaris, who is an analytics type who's very close with Cuban. Apparently, people on the team are upset he's got too much power. Apparently, Luka Doncic doesn't like him. Then, yesterday, Donnie Nelson was fired from the Dallas Mavericks. Donnie Nelson was very close with Luka Doncic. Um, uh, Producer Steve, we can uh, play that sound of Luka Doncic talking about how the Nelson firing, it was uh, tough for him. It was kind of tough to me, you know. Uh, I really like Donnie. Uh, I know him since I was a kid. And he was the one that drafted me, you know. And it was tough for me to see that. But I'm not the one making decisions there, so... uh, This is uh, whatever the, the office is making. Then Rick Carlisle, who led Dallas to the championship in 2011, said he informed the team that he would not be returning as head coach. Now, I don't know if he was pushed out, if he wanted to leave, who knows. But all this is going on in Dallas. Now, maybe the only good news 
is Dirk Nowitzki is going to come back and join the team. He's going to assist them as the new head of basketball operations. Or Sorry, he's going to help them search. Excuse me. He's going to assist the team in its search for a new head of basketball operations and a new head coach. Dirk Nowitzki played his last year in Luka's rookie season. I think that's important. I think having just that player presence is going to be necessary. And listen, I'm sure Luka's going to sign the, uh, the Supermax, which could get him upwards of $200 million. You know, no one, no, we've yet to see a player walk away from signing a Supermax contract. Of course, so, so I, like, even though there's all this controversy in Dallas, I think Luka's signing the, the Supermax. The key, though, in all of this is Supermax doesn't mean anything anymore. James Harden had years and years left on his contract. And as long as you act as enough of a bleep hole, you can get out of any situation. So, yeah, a ton going on in the NBA. On the other side, Mark Masters is going to give us great hockey analysis. He is going to break down everything that happened with uh, Montreal and Vegas. What does Montreal need to do to try to win two in a row and win at home tonight? And also Mark Masters is going to disappoint us by talking about his boring itinerary in Vegas. There's no way he did exciting things. I hope he proves me wrong. That's coming up in a moment. I'm Matt Cause. You're listening to Game Day right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back, everybody. This is Game Day. I'm your host, Matthew Cause, joined now by one of my favorites. He's always game for fun. Also, you will learn every time you hear from this man. It is our Leafs reporter, hockey reporter, tennis guru. It is Mark Masters. How you doing, my friend? I am doing very well. Good to be back talking with you. All right. So, Mark, are you ready and prepared to disappoint me greatly? Yes, as always. Don't even have to ask. <laughs> How was... Las Vegas, please tell me you, you, you took in a show, you, you hit the huh. tables, you went to a bar, a club, you were with humans, you had a great meal, it's, it's one of the culinary capitals of North America, give me the dirt of all the great things you did in Vegas. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I uh. will say I think the highlight has been I got my second uh, dose of the vaccine yesterday. Uh, um, which, which of course, I'm not fully vaccinated, so everyone's wandering around here with their masks off. I kind of feel a little like the odd man out. It's it's uh-huh. that to, to to that degree. So I'm still keeping it relatively safe. Obviously, I'm not fully vaccinated, so I'm not 100 percent, uh, you know, allowed to enjoy the restrictions. But I certainly enjoyed getting a haircut, okay. uh, which was much needed. I, yes. I must say, first time in seven months. Um, so that was good. I feel like a new man, younger, and it's, it's certainly a, a positive because it's a little warm here cause these days it's uh, 47 degrees. So, oh my uh, God. Nice fe- yeah. It's when the Vegas locals are telling you it's hot, it's hot. Yeah. It's, it's record breaking stuff this week. I think it was the hottest hockey game temperature we ever had, uh, in game two here in Vegas. So, uh, basically I'm just trying to, you know, they don't have to tell me to eat, eat outside. I, I, I would, uh, I would, you know, sometimes you know prefer actually you can't really eat outside it's just uncomfortable it's just really tough right i mean they do have uh-huh. the they do have the sprays going and stuff they got the misters the, the misters the misters are going but boy the heat it just seeps, seeps into your body right you just walk outside for a little bit and uh even a tough guy like me it's going to have an impact so um the haircut the vaccine dose uh those were their two very big highlights and just being in a building with 
20,000 fans or whatever it was, 18,500 fans. That that was pretty cool because I hadn't experienced that since uh, March 2020 when the Leafs beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Big game back then and all looked well, but we know what happened next. So you got a haircut and a vaccination. You have the same itinerary as my 75-year-old <laughs> mother. Um, all right, I have a couple follow-ups, and then we'll get in a hot hockey talk. Uh, how are those disastrous sideburns of yours? Clean They're up? gone. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. We got to get you watching the Sports Center and that's hockey a bit more. That's hockey. I missed think, it. Uh, they showed the video of me getting my sideburns, the infamous sideburns, uh, cut off. Yeah. The person who cut my hair was like, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I kept some. I'm going to sell them. Obviously, I know a lot of people at Masters Nation grew very fond of the sideburns. So it was time. But, you know, sell them, give the money to charity or whatever. But, uh, yeah, the sideburns are gone. I think uh, you'd be able to cure a couple diseases with the money you'll raise yeah. for the sideburns. And then finally, what was the best meal you had? Oh, well, oh, I got to tell you, Vegas is a bit of an expensive town. Um, but they give us a box lunch in the in the press box uh which was really good the other day at Turkey Club. Excellent stuff. I really appreciate that from the from the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we haven't had anything too crazy yet. Um, but uh, but but we're here. We're we're staying down here. Obviously, with uh, with the restrictions, we're staying down for the entire. You know, as long as yeah. this series is going, we're going to be in Las Vegas. We're not going to go across the border yet. So I'm sure we'll figure something out and have a nice meal before before we get out of here. I had predicted uh, you would have done nothing, and your meal was a ham sandwich. I was almost right. It was a turkey club. It wasn't ham. Um, what did Montreal do in Game 2 that you feel is repeatable for tonight as they take on Vegas for Game 3? Were you having any flashbacks to like the Leafs losing to the Habs in that, watching that game at all? Because I, I, I was. Yes. Um, like Slow starts, which had been an issue for Vegas the entire playoffs. They've been outscored 15-8. to uh, and the Habs have been a good starting team. You know, the first period was their best period against the Leafs, and certainly um, they've been really locked in early in games. I guess Dominic Ducharme deserves some credit for that, the coaching staff, the leadership probably. So they started strong both in Game 1 and in Game 2, the difference being in Game 2 they actually had some goals, and in Game 2 the Golden Knights did not have Chandler Stevenson. Remember when the Leafs didn't have John Tavares, the top six center? Yeah. It, it, took, it took a bit of time to adjust to that. So they, they had a couple of younger guys in there, Keegan Colasar, Nikola Watt. It wasn't the smoothest uh, adjustment. The top forwards on the Golden Knights have yet to score in this series. They only got one goal from a forward, actually. They've been getting goals from, from the defense. It kind of reminded me, Brody had a goal, Muzzin had two, Riley had a big goal. I mean, they were getting Oh, God, some, you're right. Sandine had a goal. Like, I was kind of flashing back. <laughs> like, this is, a, you know, they're doing it again, basically, Montreal. And when you look at special teams, you know, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights penalty killers looking at the numbers they've just they've just gone past Toronto at the bottom of the 16 playoff teams they're now 15th in among the playoff teams in terms of power play percentage and they they were 0 for 2 uh in game 2 and they could not uh, it was a it was a momentum buster for them they couldn't get set up really for the most part maybe right at the end of the second one so i was having a lot of flashbacks watching that the habs are kind of that's their we know what their formula is and they jump out they can play with the lead they can clog the middle of the uh uh, the middle of the ice, and the Golden Knights weren't able to get through it and ran out of time. Uh, by the end of it, they were getting chances, but they just they just ran out of time, and Carey Price, I'm still not 100% sure how he stopped that Alec Martinez shot in the second period in Game 2. I, I'm not sure. I guess John Liu asked him, and he said, I've been using my extremities, but I, I it's you slow it down. It's an amazing save. And I didn't think Marc-Andre Fleury was the better goalie in Game 2, so he, 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 had a, he didn't look good uh, on a couple of the goals. So the goaltending was, was in favor of Montreal, the special teams, uh, their fast start, that, that's what stood out. 
Great. Thanks, Mark. Now I'm having total Leaf <laughs> Montreal flashbacks. I'm now going to have to go and stare at, uh, at their salary at their salary, and, and just look at, Ma- at uh, Marner and Matthews' salary. Well, Thank you, Mark. Where, where do you sit in terms of, like, if Montreal does this to Vegas somehow, yeah. and obviously the, the gamblers around here are still betting on Vegas to, to win this series, but if they somehow were to basically do the same thing to the Knights that they did to the Leafs, well, does that make you feel better, or does it make you feel like, Jesus, the Leafs could have been... Uh, you know, in the cup final this year. How, where do you fall on that? Oh, I fall firmly on the negative side. Uh, how can I anywhere else? I see what you're. Yep. I I see what you're saying, but the problem is they also lost the year before to Columbus, and they right. also were up three two to Boston the year before. So right. it's like it's like plaque and led in, in the, the third teeth. period of Game Seven in 2018. Yeah, and we're yes. two games to one in 2017. Yeah. Um, yeah, but other than that, they've been a smooth <laughs> ride here the last few years. <laughs> Mark Pastors, our Leafs reporter, joining us here on TSN 1050. Uh, speaking of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, sort of a two-part question. It, it, I don't know. By, if you read all the tea leaves, it feels like Zach Hyman is gone. It will be gone. They won't be able to afford him. He, he had a great year. He deserves that five and a half, six million that another team uh, may be able to offer him. So I'm curious if he does go. Uh, your thoughts on just what next year's team, and, I, and I'm not going to do who should they go get, but it's more how much of an impact will that have on the Leafs, and uh, could this mean that they, they're going to have to rely more on a guy like Jason Spezza? It's a hard guy to replace, really hard guy to replace, and I'll choose to celebrate the good times with Zach I mean, what a what a career he's carved out for himself here, um, considering the Leafs got him basically for nothing from Florida. Uh, our old friend Greg McKegg. I mean, it, it's been an amazing run for him. So I'll choose to remember the the good times. But it's not. I don't know. Like I mean, first of all, he's a leader on the team, so you lose that. You know, he wore an A for those god awful retro jerseys or whatever it was. Um, but at least you know that was a nice. It just showed that they wanted to, to, to acknowledge how big of a leader he is on this team. A team that uh, you know was more consistent in the regular season, but time is Mister Consistency. Um, and just obviously, we know the gritty, the grittiness that he plays with. The penalty kill has had its issues at times. He's one of their better penalty killers up front. Like it's just there's a long list of of, of things that are going to be really hard. And this is why it's, it's it's such a gut punch that they weren't able to at least win around this year. Is that it's you know I'm sure Dubis is going to do everything he can, but it's not going to be easy to make this a better roster next year. That's not saying they can't be greater than the sum of their parts but uh but it's not easy to like there's nothing maybe you know somehow Felino uh wants to come back because it did not work out and but he's kind of a poor man time and so you just the guy was his offense was amazing this year in terms of what he could do yeah. and they challenged him to drive the net so it's I don't know what to say it's going to be a really big hole for the Leafs to fill What's uh, what's on what's on tap for you tonight? I mean, obviously, you know, no tomorrow tonight. Obviously, watching the game, doing hits on Sports Center. Maybe uh, you know you'll you'll be there with Jay Onright, uh, some Gino Retta. That's hockey action. But what's on the itinerary for Mark Masters after that? I actually think tonight's going to be uh, exciting. We're going to a sports book, going to Circa sports book and they advertise themselves as the largest sports book in the world they actually have this cool thing called stadium swim where people are out in the pool and they got these big uh tv uh monitors i obviously, saw that and, yeah, oh are you it's, going it's there really cool yeah yeah it's so, really cool it's pretty new yeah what's your bait what's your going to be your bathing suit of choice <laughs> i didn't pack a bathing suit which i guess shouldn't surprise you i probably Why should did... that would be pretty cool to, to do my report from the pool eh you went to Vegas in 46 degrees weather. There's a pool every, around every corner, and you didn't bring a bathing suit. No, I didn't. And now, in retrospect, I do. I'm not a big swimmer, 
Um, so I, I didn't, you know, I have got my suits. I wanted all my shirts and ties. It's been a while, cause I haven't packed for a road trip like this, I guess, since the World Juniors. So I was going to make some mistakes. I resigned myself to that. But I, the good news is it's not that hard to... To, to find a uh, yes. find a, a suit and maybe if I to, if I annoy our photojournalist David Parker a lot he'll push me in with my suit, which uh, would probably feel refreshing considering again the heat year. So we'll see how it goes. Mark, you were incredibly predictable. Everything on sports, you were spot on. Everything non-sports, you wildly disappointed me as always. But a pleasure. Thank you as always, Mark, for taking time uh, for all this nonsense. Check out the new Duke cause. It's really, I think you're going to like it. It'll be oh, finally I, has something positive for you, for, for me. I'm going, to, I'm going to tsn.ca. I'm going to go find the video. I want to see them uh, cutting your hair and those sideburns. Yeah, Jay on right says I look like a 12-year-old, but uh, I think it's good to skew young. So check it out. Always is. Take care, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. That is Mark Masters, our Leafs reporter. All right, on the other side, Bill Belichick went full Bill Belichick. And, and i got to ask this question. At some point... Does it get tiring to not act as a human being? Like at some point, you just go, oh, being a bleep hole every moment of my day, it gets tiring. I'll play the sound next right here on Game Day. Welcome back, everybody. This is Game Day. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Yeah, right after we are done, you've got England versus Scotland, the second game for both of those teams. It's the group stage of Euro 2020. Earlier today, Croatia and the Czech Republic ended in a 1-1 draw. Much like with um, Leafs reporter Mark Masters, I knew what his answer was going to be. I knew in terms of, hey, have you gone out? Have you done anything neat? Uh, that it would be no. Did you have a great meal? No. It's just kind of who he is. He's always been like it. He tortures me. He goes to, you know, he goes to France and England and New York, and he has this sandwich that, that he can get at the hotel. So he is a predictable fellow. Same thing for Coach Bill Belichick. This would have been the easiest answer to give. He was asked, hey, have you congratulated Tom Brady? You know, the human being most responsible for your professional success beyond you. Take the work you've done out of the equation. The second most important person in the professional life of Bill Belichick is Tom Brady. It's not Robert Kraft. He's up there. Bill Parcells, absolutely up there. But at number two, it's Tom Brady. So here's the reporter asking, hey, coach. Hey, look at that big smile you got. Ah, just kidding. He never smiles. Uh, so here is a reporter asking Bill Belichick, did you, have you congratulated Tom Brady? Bill, I hope this finds you well. A uh, little bit of a different one for you. Jimmy Garoppolo has said you stayed in touch with him, including congratulating him when he led the 49ers to the Super Bowl. So I was just wondering if, like Robert Kraft, you've reached out at all to Tom Brady this offseason to congratulate him on winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, again, Chris, I think I'll I'll keep those conversations uh, privately between myself and, and the other people that um, are involved. Appreciate the question. Um, first, does anyone believe that Bill Belichick appreciated that question? My favorite thing here, and there's a bunch, is that whenever you ask Belich whenever any reporter asks Belichick a question. That isn't, could you tell us about the history of wedge busting in the NFL? And who do you think represents the best special teams player from the 1980s? If you don't ask him that, you're nervous. And 
what happens is there's always a long follow-up. It's, well, you know, I remember when you congratulated Jimmy Garoppolo. By the reporter saying that, he's like, hey, listen, you've done this in the past. It's a normal question. Throws in the Bob Kraft. Hey, Bob Kraft has. So you're, this is the softest landing spot of a question. It's all these qualifiers and provisos and this and that. And, of course, he says, I'm going to keep it private. The next reporter should have asked why. Why is this private? We're not asking you, could you, give us, could you uh, give us a transcript of the conversation? You know, that could be private. Um, you know, when was the last time you went to the doctor? What were the results? That's private. What was the relationship with your father, and how has it impacted you as a father? Private. Did you congratulate the quarterback you were with for two decades on winning the Super Bowl, and he comes out and says, that's private, I'm not going to answer it. At some point, Bill, you're allowed to be a human being. At some point, you can have a little bit of heart. Anyway, so a very, very predictable answer from the coach of the New England Patriots. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays swept by the Yankees, one game under 500. The bullpen you know, lets them down each and every night. Hopefully, it gets a little bit easier tonight. Losers of eight of the last 12, eight and a half back of Tampa, five and a half back of the wild card. Tonight, they take on Baltimore. These are games they need to win. Like they they got to start sweeping. Baltimore is horrible. It's maybe the biggest advantage Toronto has uh, in the season right now, beyond the, the bat of Biggio and uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., is they get to play the Baltimore Orioles many, many, many times. So hopefully they get a win tonight. Uh, a fascinating night. Montreal against Vegas. You've got uh, Utah and Philadelphia looking for redemption in the NBA playoffs. And in just a minute, you've got the oldest rivalry in all of soccer. It goes back to the 19th century, and I'm not even being hyperbolic on that one. It is England versus Scotland. Have a great day, everyone. And then after that, it is overdrive. So have a great day. Enjoy the weekend. Be good. Be safe. We'll catch you on Monday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. I'm Matthew Cos. You've been listening to Game Day right here on TSN 1050.